calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting, not from the most famous small town in the world, but from my house. It's me, Dr. Neil. I'm here on Zoom with Dana because, Dana, we our air conditioner broke upstairs. And so we have these massive commercial fans that are blowing the air to try to lower the temperature. So that way our storage stuff can meet our, you know, storage and like temperature and humidity standards. And it's like a freaking wind tunnel up there. They'll be done in probably an hour or two, like replacing the AC and all of that. But there was no way that we were going to be able to record anything without it sounding like we were, you know, at an airport directing traffic on the runway. So um, today I just want to say, you know. I hope everybody's doing okay. Woodstockvitamins.com. Check out all of our wonderful uh, information. We have uh, the rant going out in probably a few hours, if not early tomorrow. I'm talking about selfishness. I've actually got a really, really, really funny quote in there. I should probably just, now nah, I'll, I'll save it. There's a funny quote about fried chicken um, that I put in there that I think is awesome. So I think that's enough of a teaser, but we're going to talk about the selfishness of everything right now. What what are your thoughts on the selfishness? Maybe you can help me write this thing. Oh my gosh. Well, what I see going around social media is that the United States' biggest problem is that we have no sense of community. We're a country based on individualism. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who prides herself on how judgmental and selfish she is Mm -hmm. in her daily life among other individuals, I am truly appalled at Mm -hmm. the absolute disregard for our countrymen that I am seeing. So I I just can't believe we have been in our homes since March. And because so many people refuse to comply with that, we're right back to square one. Everyone get ready to homeschool your kids in the fall because we're not going anywhere anytime soon. I am, I am sickened. I am like heart sick over the absolute, just selfishness of everyone. Right. Yeah. I think, well, it was funny because I wrote the article about the blood pressure and uh, talked about it on a podcast. And then I got a bunch of emails about how my blood pressure probably has nothing to do with my weight, but my stress level, because it's just coming out in all of my content, (laughs) just like, you know, what's going on. And I I said, yeah, that's definitely a, a big part of all of this. And Actually, yeah. here in New York, we're doing really well um, because we're doing what we're supposed yes. to do. It's a mixed bag, but it's definitely like a positive mixed bag right now. The um, great thing is uh, I'm probably not going to be sending my kids back to school anyway. <laughs> so my right. poor my poor wife is uh, going to be doing all of that uh, homeschooling stuff, like official homeschooling. If Cuomo decides that he's actually going to let kids go back to school, which I don't think he's going to do, to be quite honest with you, I think he's going to hold off on this. So you're bringing up a a very important and good point that we're back to square one. Our cases that were identified yesterday were more than our highest point, which was like April 1st-ish, which is couple weeks after our lockdown. Um, and the, that peak was mostly New York City alone, uh, dragging that number up. And so we're here again, uh, almost like we didn't do anything the first time. And we haven't been talking about this. And it, there's about 25 states, four in particular that are 
spiraling out of control. Um, Arizona, Texas, Florida, North Carolina. Um, yeah. Arizona was at 90 some percent ICU occupancy. Texas was uh, pretty much saturated as of last night. And everybody else is on the upswing. And it stinks because um, we've been on this moronic merry-go-round before, right? Yeah. Um, my opinion is that the coronavirus probably could have been severely blunted globally, um, but there was no leadership on the global scale. And as a result, everybody kind of fought it on their own. Right. And it's really crazy that even if we lacked the global leadership and had just leadership in this country, what we could have accomplished, right? We, there was nothing that we could do about New York. It seemed like by the time everybody was waking up to this being a severe problem, we need to pay attention to, it was too late, right? But we locked down, we did what we needed to do, and we kind of came out of it. That should have been the end of it. That should have been the last time that ever happened here. And uh, it stinks that uh, this is now happening. All of the states that we've mentioned, all of the states where this is a problem, it's 100% due to the um, uh, you know disregard for the recommendations. Mask wearing has become a political thing. It's actually more symbolism. It's, it's signaling for a group. You know, I don't wear the mask. I say it's a hoax. Um, so if you wear a mask, you're on the other team. Uh, if, if you don't wear a mask, you're on our team. And uh, it's kind of sick. It's a mental unwellness, right? All of, our, all of our discussions around COVID pretty much since like week three, after I got tired of saying stay home and everybody was actually staying home has been, okay, this is going to be a big mental problem, a long mental game for us all. So we, this is we, the worst game of shirts versus skins ever. <laughs> right. We have this whole thing where we're, uh, where these cases are spiking. And then there's a couple of things I want to just address about that. So everything is a distraction. So when the cases were rising, again, we know what the pattern is. The, 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 the virus spreads really quickly and kills slowly. So it, it spreads. Okay. The cases start to go up after a week, right? week or two, right? And then after that, a week or two, hospitalizations rise. And then a week or two after that, that's when it goes to the ICU and death, right? So it's like a two to four week process typically to start killing people. So the cases start to rise and then everybody distracts. Well, it's because we're testing more. And that wasn't true. Florida wasn't testing more. Florida was actually testing less in those weeks than the week before. And if you're testing more, that would mean that you get a lot more negatives, um, that would come up and your percentages would be different, right? We know, we know fractions. Okay. So if the bottom number, the denominator gets really big, that means our fraction gets small, but it only gets small if that number on top stays the same or, or, you know, is, is small, but if that keeps going up, then the percentage goes up and that's exactly what's happening. We were testing more for sure, but then the percentage of positives was skyrocketing. I mean, we're like 12, I think I, I, thought I read something that said we had 25% positive tests that were done the day before in one of these states. And so that means that we have a lot of people that actually have this thing um, that have been spreading it now for at least a week or two to people that will in the next week uh, be identified as having it as well. Um, So we have this big, big peak of cases and, and we're being distracted by saying it's, it's not that well, you know, then they say, well, the hospitalization number hasn't changed. And of course now we're a week after that and guess what? The hospitalizations are through the roof. Uh, we're almost near capacity. It's like, we, we haven't been on this 
again, silly little merry-go-round a million times before. And they keep distracting and like people buy it. They listen to it and it stinks. And right now uh, we are essentially, I think it's 11 times the number of cases than all of Europe. Uh, in yeah. the United States, and it's uh, it stinks. So um, all we can do is what we can do for ourselves. Now we've had the discussion about the idea of liberty, right? Uh, one of the arguments is a very libertarian type of argument, where you know you don't have the right to tell me to wear a mask, and you know I say that my friend said it more astutely than I did. He's, he's like that's using a kindergarten argument to defend your PhD thesis. Um, <laughs> it, you know. It is it is an infraction of liberty to say that you should be wearing a mask, just like it's an infraction of liberty to say you should be wearing pants, right? And uh, there is a uh, a line in the sand that kind of needs to be drawn uh, around this, and and uh, you know it, it's it's ridiculous. So this 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 selfishness is just driving me batty, and there's a lot of selfishness uh, with all of this. This mostly self serving stuff, and and. I would hope that um, things would change and and we're not going to get a lockdown. That's that's the part that really scares me the most here is that this is going to go straight up into the stratosphere because when we had cases at this number, it was two weeks after we had stopped moving and like we took it very, very seriously here, right? Yeah. And and that's not happening right now. In fact, people are not even doing the thing that will protect them the most, wearing the mask for all these stupid, selfish reasons. So this 5,000 cases a day out of Texas is just the tip of the iceberg. There is going to, and again, a case fatality rate here in this country is like 5 to 6%, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so if there's 5,000 people, you're talking about a few hundred people dead a day just from that you know, just from Texas and you add it all up and, and watch this trajectory go. So it's like, I started out last week, venomous. Like we finished our blog article last week. I finished the podcast last week and I was just still like seething. And now like you have kind of like fatigued. I'm tired. I'm like sad, you know? And yeah. there's a lot of people that are like, you know, well, screw them. You know, they, they kind of deserve this, but it's not a situation where this exists in a vacuum. If, if, you know, if they didn't put other people, innocent people at risk, right? We're talking about liberties. We're talking about the idea that I have the freedom. Well, your liberty to not wear a mask infringes on somebody else's liberty to not be sick and die from something that they're trying really hard not to. Exactly. And, and that, and that, that stinks, right? That, that, that's, that's that selfish self-centered nature. And a lot of these ideas, these social constructs, these policies tend to do that. There's always a trade-off, of course, but like the idea that these things are so dramatically um, skewed. If I'm mildly inconvenienced, that's an infraction of my liberty, right? And uh, if, if I'm comfortable, no matter what happens to what degree with somebody else, as long as I'm comfortable, don't tread on me, you know? Um, so I don't know. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to say that I haven't been saying since day one, stay home. If you're in one of those States, stay home, don't go out, just pretend like this is what's happened before, you know? Uh, and if you have to go out, be confident. If you're wearing a mask and everybody else is wearing a mask that you'll be safe. But if everybody else isn't wearing a mask, you need to run, you need to run through the store. You need to just keep moving, get out of the store, wash your hands and, and just stay home. 
and um, here in New York, uh, be careful. I will say that there is something I should address in New York here. A lot of people are getting pissy because people are on the street and they're not wearing a mask. And that's okay. We have to be okay with that. I've been telling people that you should flip them off. I think I covered this last time, but you have your mask <laughs> on. As soon as somebody walks past you and you, they've got their back turned to you, you flip them off, meaning you take your mask and you flip it down under. And it's good because like for me, it covers my double chin, you know? So like uh, you just flip that mask off of you. You just flip that mask off of you and you, uh, you guys, you know, you can interact in the world outside and be, be okay. So people walking on the street, if there's nobody around them within 10 feet, it's okay if they don't have their mask on, that's fine. You know, um, if they get within 10 feet, they should flip their mask up. And then as soon as you guys turn your backs on each other, flip it off, flip each other off. And, and that's, that's totally cool inside. You need to have a mask on at all times. So, um, yeah, that's how I've been treating my walks around the neighborhood is I just, I mean, I, I actually have it just hanging from one ear and then I hook it as soon as I see somebody else coming. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just one nice little thing that you can do to, you know, to help strangers on the street just to show them a modicum of respect. Yeah. It's just put your mask on when you're approaching somebody else, even if you're outside. Yeah. Crying out loud. We um, should probably update. Well, um, let's stay on COVID, I guess, for a little bit. So um, any news-related things that you want me to kind of talk about? I know that you had some questions about some COVID stuff you, you saw. So, Well, in the first place, <laughs> I want to harken back to two weeks ago when I was asking you, I was like, you know, does stronger smelling sweat mean anything? And you were like, no, you know, it's summertime, we all sweat. And I was like, right. okay, turns out according to one article that I read and no other articles <laughs> that dogs can actually smell COVID in your armpit sweat. So I just want to state for the record that wow. I was right. Wow. And, um, I'm, I'm always interest- right. You should always yes. listen to me. <laughs> I'm interested in this as well, because <laughs> that it seems like with like astonishing accuracy, dogs can predict COVID, um, I guess like diagnosis well before any, test can, which is awesome. Yeah. And I had read about like breathalyzer tests that can kind of do the same thing. And I think this is the wow. secret, right? If we know at any moment what our status is, it changes the game quite a bit. You know, it makes it a lot easier. So, so that is very but cool. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as news goes, and as far as what we were just talking about, we are not the only country who is not handling this well. Brazil if I recall, sorry, I'm trying to pull up this article now, but Brazil is about to overtake the world with COVID cases. They are really not handling this well. And I think Venezuela is close behind them. And it is, it's telling of the regimes in place in each of these countries, why some are responding well and why some are not. You know, we have like, obviously Brazil and Venezuela, there's, it's just so much political unrest as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't have the article in front of me, so I don't have numbers or anything, but I do. it's a perverse feeling of relief to know that we're not the only country screwing up, but also my heart goes out to all those people who know what the right thing to do is and don't have the resources or the leadership in place to deal with this virus properly. Well, I mean, it's, it's gross that we're like, Oh, we're not the worst, but you know, um, Brazil and India will probably be the two that will overtake us eventually. Um, but they're undeveloped and poor countries, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's really weird. It's really weird to be in that, 
that headspace, you know, that we're like, oh, you know, we're number one, but we're the worst for the death toll, you know, and we might not be number one entirely, but who we're ranked with is going to be so poor. I mean, like Germany, 9,000, I'm trying to go by countries that would report accurately, Uh, Canada, 8,500, Spain, you know, Spain, France, Italy, UK, that's 30 to 45,000. And then we're sitting pretty at 125. It's estimated to get us to about uh, 180 by October. I don't see that as being accurate because I think we're going to be hitting a thousand a day again for a bit. So we'll probably be over that for a little, a little time. So, uh, any other COVID related stuff before we move on and talk about my blood pressure? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things, again, another small study, and I want to stress that these are small scale studies, but now three separate studies have pointed to blood type A being more susceptible Mm -hmm. to, you know, like needing ventilation and possibly death and blood type O being the most resistant to COVID. So I certainly don't want to, you know, sound the alarm or anything, but if you know your blood type and you know that you're type A, maybe just take some extra precautions. I am type A, so I pretty much haven't left my house since March, except Mm -hmm. to record with you. But, um, you know, it's just a a matter of caution. I don't know. I did see one more article about the uh, dexamethasone. Did I get all the syllables? You got it. Um, Yeah, the stores of that could be dwindling, but that's a developing story. So maybe we'll get back to that another time unless you want Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's actually going to be a risk. I think there's a lot of that around and there's other steroids. The the Kawasaki-like illness with the kids is now non-fatal due to treatment with IV immunoglobulin, IVIG, and methylprednisolone. So they're able to use a different steroid to have that kind of similar effect. So I have been good suggesting well. methylprednisone this whole time. Wow. So. Wow, nice. <laughs> you know, um, like I said, I'm always right. Exactly. You should uh, go talk to this Fauci guy. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about my blood pressure. Yes, let's. You're awfully red. It could be the tan line around your Oakleys that I'm seeing, though. Yeah, I've got a raccoon mask going on because I had that eye surgery. I had the LASIK surgery. And so now I just get headaches if I'm out in the sun too long, just because it's like sensitive. I don't know if that's something that's supposed to happen or whatever. Maybe I'm just a big wuss in my old age. But yeah, I've been outside, which is really great. But no, it's not redness from that. My blood pressure, I haven't checked it. I've got my physical coming up. But the weight loss part of it is where I'm at. And just to kind of share, you know, if you restrict your carbs a bunch, you'll have that sudden dramatic weight loss. So, you know, like three to six pounds. So I had lost about that in a week and a half. And then it was like, Uh, So I was like, yeah, great. We're moving in the right direction. I even saw the scale was moving about a half pound a day, you know, calibrated scale and everything. So I'm like, this is good. This is uh, not the healthiest rate, but this is a good rate to kind of get my hand around things. And then we can cut it back to two pounds a week or whatever. And we just started uh, started just kind of like laying still, like uh, the numbers didn't move. Uh, we, uh, like seven, eight days and there was no change in my weight. And I was getting a little worried because it was, if anything, it was like creeping up. Uh, but then all of a sudden we started dropping again over the past couple of days. And so I chalked that up to the idea that I didn't like completely eliminate carbs over that last week where I did the week before. So I kind of put on that little bit of water weight again and, but my caloric restriction 
was working. Now, during that week, of course, I was panicking. I was saying, oh man, am I going to have to get one of those kitchen scales and have this insane regimented calorie thing? Because despite feeling like I'm eating about 50% of what I used to eat, even though I did used to overeat, um, it, you know, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Right. And I got worried. And so it, it's important, I guess, you know, a lot of people say, well, don't look at the scale at all. Just kind of keep to the, the strategy and such. And I think it's important advice is to make sure that you just look to the horizon and, 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 you know, do, do what you're supposed to do because eventually stuff will, will start to kind of turn around for you. So, um, just again, more to kind of relate to people that have that frustration when they feel like they're doing a lot. And that goes more to the mentality of this whole thing, because why do I feel like that is I feel like that because I'm miserable, quote unquote, I've said, you know, I'm not doing the things I want to do, which is eating ice cream when my kids have ice cream or having that extra helping of whatever. And then I have to realize that that is kind of part of eating healthier, right? We, it's, it, if I have the mentality that once I get to this weight, then I can do all of that. Or, you know, if I, if I wanted to, I could just do that. Like no weight's going to come off. So, um, this is really not about anything more than dealing with the patterns and habits and conditioning, right? I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry at all. Right. I see the kids eating the ice cream and I'm like, I want to eat that ice cream or (laughs) I just ate something. And then I get that little sweet tinge because I used to have something sweet after I would eat something. Right. And so it's, it's, it's not about the regimented part of it. The, you know, that's important. We have to track, like we talked about with the lease last week, tracking your miles on your car, but you just need to kind of stick to the script and the script should be a new perspective on food and addressing your hangups, your um, pushes, your uh, conditioning, your your wiring and and reprogramming and saying, listen, like dessert isn't something that should be a part of every meal, (laughs) you know, Um, you know, and, and kind of getting over your little personal habits and stuff. So I think I, I, that's just the best advice that I can give is that, you know, this, this is struggle and a fight is, two opposing forces. So one of them is that you're changing your diet. And the other one is that you want to do something that isn't healthy for you. And that has to go, you know? So it's like the fight, the struggle will go away if you just go with the flow and let go of, of this idea of like things going back to normal, which sounds a lot like coronavirus, right? (laughs) Um, so that's my update on that. Um, I've got a news item because we don't really have a lot to talk about here today. So I figured we could do some news, some current events, uh, and then also, um, some questions that I had from a couple of people in store. And I asked if I would, could ask it on the podcast and they said, yes. So, um, so first and foremost, I just got a news article that GNC, the large vitamin retailer, based out of Pennsylvania, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it's uh, the aim of selling itself and closing stores after its latest effort to manage its debt load unraveled amid the coronavirus pandemic the company announced on Tuesday. So I must have missed this one, but they're going to close from 800 to 1,200 stores. Well, they have been. A friend of mine worked at the GNC that was in the mall. It was like one of the four stores left in the mall. Mm -hmm. And they closed uh, at some point towards the end of last year. 
which is freaking amazing that they stayed open. Like our mall here in Kingston, New York, literally had four stores left. We had the anchor stores on the outside and there was like four things inside the mall that were left. And and it it was like the movie theater was even going out, right? And like there was a couple places left and uh, GNC was still there. I'm like, what's going on? And even there was a vitamin world too. Like there was a GNC and a vitamin world right in the same spot, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then like a shoe store and then Target and Dick's and that's it. Oh, and Best Buy. I'm sorry, five stores. There were five stores left in the mall. Right. They want 760 million bucks for GNC. So if you got some money laying around and you want to just waste it on supplements that, uh, you know, shiny packaging. Lots of synthetic materials. I have a bias against GNC. Of course, they were a part of that New York Attorney General um, investigation that found that a lot of the herbs had no active ingredients in them. And sports nutrition in general, sports supplements in general, I should say, uh, are tend to be of the most contaminated and adulterated products on the market. So I can't look at those products without some sort of bias or judgment saying there's probably a problem here because the history over the last 20 plus years has told us that it'll be true. I guess I'm not sad that GNC is going away. It's really interesting if you look at the market distribution of the supplement industry from a retailer's perspective, it's highly fragmented. Most, most people are buying supplements from a retail standpoint from independent stores. GNC, Mm. I think, had like 1% to 3% of the market or something like that. And they were the largest, I think, group, you know? So like most 90% of the industry is from independent places where people are buying at a retail level, which is very interesting. Their Puritan's Pride has. I don't know. I don't know if they would count as retail because I don't know if they have stores or not, but Uh, I'll have to dig that out. Um, Yeah. So besides that, of course, we still are getting reports that zinc is still a top seller uh, because of the coronavirus stuff. It's not not true. I mean, the only things that we could really do here... is stuff that we should be doing all the time anyway, making sure that our vitamin D levels are good, taking the right amount, not these insane bolus doses that people are taking, like 50,000 units four times a day or something insane like that. Um, I want to stay away from all of that. Um, okay, so moving on to some questions that I have, and I figure we can chat about this. So it was kind of one of those, like, how much protein should I take questions, uh, but can I overdose on collagen? And I thought that's a pretty interesting thing. I think we've mentioned it on here before, but the idea of how much protein should I take? Well, how much protein should I eat? So you should eat one gram for every kilogram of your body weight. So your body weight in pounds divided by 2.2. So for me, that is 107 uh, uh, kilograms. So I should have about 107 grams of protein every day. Now I actually actually do like a weightlifting regimen. So I should probably get a little bit extra. And so it's one or 1.2 or as much as 1.4 grams per kilogram would be an acceptable range. So even if we did um, the 1.4, it's not that much difference to be honest with you. It's like 150. So anywhere between 110 to 150 grams of protein would be a sufficient amount for me every single day. Now, a piece of chicken is about 20 to 24 grams of protein. So for me, that's pretty simple to get to this. I'm eating uh, peanut butter throughout the day. I'm eating a couple eggs. So there's like 16 grams right there. And then um, chicken. So we're, it's very easy to hit that, that target number. The thing about collagen is, is that you can overdose on collagen. A lot of people don't talk about this. People that need to supplement protein and want to do so using um, 
you know, a powder, whatever, like it's a whey protein or a, a vegan protein powder or a collagen protein powder, you know, again, our, 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 our American instinct is to be like, I want to freaking use only this. I just want space food. Mm-hmm. I just want to mix my powder and that's it. And of course, that's not what we should do when you're, when you're talking about complete proteins, like whey, you know, egg, those kinds of things, you can eat, use that almost entirely for your day. But when it comes to these incomplete proteins, meaning the proteins that don't have every single amino acid, which tend to be plant sources or collagen is also an incomplete protein, there is a limit. Um, So only about a third of your protein grams should come from incomplete sources um, that aren't like balanced. Otherwise, you're going to end up getting too many of the wrong or too many of uh, or not enough of the right amino acids, I should say right? You'll be getting lots of some amino acids, but not enough of the others. And it's important that you get all of those. So we want to eat the protein because the protein will have lots of different amino acids, 21, right? Uh, Different amino acids. And we want to get those every single day. And we have to think about it like that. So we talk about protein at this higher level. How many grams should I have? Well, we just said 110 to 150, but we're eating those because we want to get enough of all the different amino acids. And when we do collagen by itself, we're getting too much of just a few amino acids. So I thought that was a good question and I wanted to share it with all of y'all. We had uh, somebody ask me about iron and iron anemia. So I wanted to talk about that too. Um, some, somebody I'm was a talk- big fan of iron. You're a big fan of iron? You're just like <laughs> yes. chewing on it? How do you become a fan of iron? Well, when you get you know, when you're iron deficient, it like makes you sick, especially if you're a girl, you will get really, or I, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but I just get really sluggish and easily confused if I don't have enough iron in like the about 10 days premenstrual. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, uh, I just make sure to eat some red meat, you know, like twice a week for two weeks to 10 days. I, I'm I make it a point to have like a steak or a burger at least two days out of the week. Is that so. what happened to all those farm animals near Woodstock? You were just like going there, like hunting them like a, like a vampire. Pretty much. Yeah. I yeah. did drink a lot of blood cause no <laughs> one was around to stop me, but you know, now that you're just broadcasting it, I guess the jig is up. The iron related question was somebody who's like, my iron levels are fine, but my doctor said I need iron supplements because something about ferritin. Right. And so that's where the conversation was. So the thing that people should understand about iron is that iron doesn't really hang out in the blood. In fact, most of it isn't in the blood. A very, very small amount is. It has to be bound to something and it's normally bound to proteins. And there's one main protein, transferrin, that transports iron (laughs) through the bloodstream. And there's a little bit on there, but most of our iron is stored, whether it's in the bones or the liver or the blood itself in, you know, all throughout the body. And there's uh, about three to four grams of iron in our blood at any given time. And there is only about three milligrams in the blood at any given time. So most of our iron exists in this storage version of iron. It's not the same type of iron called ferritin. So her ferrets, what happened with this patient after I looked at her blood levels was that her ferritin levels were getting low. 
but her other levels of iron were fine. And that's typically what happens. So if you think of it like almost like a stepladder at the bottom or like the deepest part of the sponge, I guess, uh, is the ferritin. So once that starts to dry up, then the blood levels and the transferrin levels, those will start to change as well. And once those start to change, then you have full-blown iron deficient anemia. But at the beginning, you can have like low level or mild symptoms because your storage is just dropping. Sort of like what we were talking about with the carbohydrates, same kind of concept. If I stop eating carbs, my storage of the carbohydrates will go to zero and I need to replace those stores in order for you know, everything to kind of be copacetic. I can exist without those stores, but I kind of want those stores there. So then it kind of leads to another discussion about iron uh, and iron supplementation. There's a big problem with iron supplementation and any mineral supplementation from my perspective. A lot of people take too much of the wrong forms. When it comes to minerals, the form that you use matters most. So when you take iron, you want to take a, what I believe is a, uh, the best, the chelated iron. All right. So when it comes to minerals, you have the amount of the mineral itself, how much iron exists, and then you have the thing it's stuck to. And most people know about ferrous sulfate or iron sulfate. That's the more common one. And you get 65 milligrams of iron with each one of those doses, which is pretty awesome because if you are deficient, you need about 100 milligrams a day. And so people get all excited because they're like, oh, I could just take one twice a day and I get my levels. The problem is, is that most of that iron isn't getting absorbed. It stays in your gut. It irritates the snot out of your stomach and small intestine. And then it causes constipation, like severe constipation. So much so that most people stop taking it in a very short amount of time. So what I try to do when we talk about iron and iron deficiency is that we have to, uh, I guess we have to balance, right? The, the goal of getting that 100 milligrams of iron versus us actually being able to take this for more than just a few days. So we use these chelated forms of iron. We use iron bisglycinate is what it's referred to as, and it's called easy iron. And it only delivers 30 milligrams. So they're like, oh, 65 is bigger than 30. Well, the thing is, is that the 30 is going to be used much more efficiently. So we'd rec- rather have you start out with a 30 that you'll absorb more on, have less side effects, and then slowly work up to maybe three a day if you can tolerate it. Um, other other p- bits of advice if somebody needs iron is that you got to drink lots of water with it because it can be very constipating and it has to be spaced from any sort of medicines because the medicines will be blocked. The iron will stick to it like a magnet and then it won't get absorbed into your bloodstream. So iron's kind of a pain in the tush. So you have to have to kind of proceed with caution when you're going to use it. But again, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting question that a lot of people deal with. A lot, uh, there's so many people that have anemias um, that are nutritionally related. And it could be because they're not eating the stuff or it could be because of some sort of other thing that's going on. Um, It brings up the point about B12 and folic acid. I think we touched on this, the idea that um, if you have just a little bit low B12, you'll have a different kind of anemia than the iron deficient anemia. And a lot of people say, I'm anemic, I need iron, right? Well, there's iron, B12, folic acid, and and they all have kind of an interplay. So um, if you are anemic, you want to ask your doctor, what kind of anemia specifically do I have? Small blood cells, that's iron. Big blood cells, that's B12 and folic acid. And take both folic acid and B12 together if you have a B12 or folic acid deficiency and you don't know specifically which one because bad things can happen if you don't. So um, Hmm. that's Well, I would hope that the doctor would explain it more thoroughly anyway. 
I, I, I know lots of doctors do, but I'm wondering if the patients are getting it or if it, you know, potentially isn't being explained appropriately. I think that there's a lot of situations that people come to me and they tell me about their anemia, but then they don't really know. And so what I'll tell them to do, because you're really not going to correct an anemia today. It's going to take, you know, about 12 weeks to, to make a lot of changes. Um, just go back to your doctor and find out the right answer before we move forward. Cause you don't want to take the wrong thing or the wrong amount of things, you know? So, yeah. Um, do, do, do I've got, I've got really nothing else, man. I think like this week has just been one of those like moratorium on doing anything weeks because of like just this frustration. I will say I was on the less on my plate podcast, which is a comedian, Mike Spears. I grew up with him less on my plate. Uh, so we've been on twice. We talked about coronavirus once and then second about nutrition and weight loss, but I, I have to plug his episode. He just had one of our other high school friends on there, Mark DeSico. Uh, it's a really great episode. You should listen to it because it's a lot of like Socrates stuff and just Mark is a pretty funny dude. So um, <laughs> I think you should check that out. So um, you got anything else do you want to talk about? Uh, no, nah, man. I think uh, I, I guess I'll just quickly piggyback on what you were saying about weight loss. I haven't weighed myself since last week, but I put on a pair of pants today that was like hanging off me, which I did not expect at all. So if you're, if you get frustrated by looking at the scale, just go by how your clothes are fitting because that's a much better gauge of, you know, the kind of progress you're making and it'll probably make you feel better anyway. Yeah. Some people say to take measurements, take those before and after pictures if you're doing the whole thing. Um, But really, you know, mine on the price, like make sure you're looking long-term about what, what you can do with uh, your health and your wellness and everything. And it'll, it just put the weight on the back burner. I know like, that's what we're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And then I connected it to that mentality thing. It's like, I I'm waiting to hit a level so I can celebrate and eat junk food. And it's like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the opposite of, of what I want. So don't do what I did with the Ben and Jerry's last week. Although definitely support Ben and Jerry's man. Yeah. They're, they're burning down. Yeah. The they're getting very vocal. Yeah. They're using the F bomb and everything. So <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well. 